This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning, everyone. This is producer Jemmy. Welcome to Wednesday, August 26th, and episode 2505, brought to you by Stateline Tack. The Horses in the Morning gang is off on vacation this week, so the gang from Flintstone Media, my gang, has taken over to give you some great best of episodes. Today, we go back to 2016, and we bring some Zeus hijinks. We talk about cribbing and a tip on blanketing. This episode was from November 2016. Today's episode is brought to you by Stateline Tack. Stateline Tack is your one-stop shop for all your equestrian supplies at fantastic prices. Whether you are outfitting you, your horse, or the barn, Stateline Tack is your choice. We will be coming into the fall shortly, and you will have to start thinking about sheets and blankets, coats and jackets. They have it all at amazing prices. Visit StatelineTack.com. And the horse health segment on cribbing is brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast on the Horse Radio Network. Now in their third season, each show highlights some of the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given to help fuel their performances. Episodes this year include training Hollywood movie horses, therapy horses helping veterans, and an inside look at traditional charo horsemanship. The latest episode just released a few days ago on vaulting. It's all part of Purina's full rain documentary series. Go to purinamills.com slash full rain to see all the films, interviews, and podcasts. Now on with the show. Good morning, everybody. Yup. It's Wednesday, and I'm Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings from Phoenix, Arizona. I'm back. Oh, thank God. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for November 9th, episode 1562, brought to us by listeners like you, the auditors. Thanks, guys. Good morning, Horse World. A long time ago, when the earth was green, there are more kinds of animals than you've ever seen that run around and play while the earth was being born. But the loveliest of all was the unicorn. They're green alligators and long neck geese Some humpty back camels and some chimpanzees Some cats and rats and elephants, but sure as you're born The loveliest of all was the unicorn Yes, it's Unicorn Wednesday, everybody. It's a thing now, the Unicorn Wednesday. Started yesterday here on the show because we knew today would be nothing but people being pissed off or happy on Facebook. So we we're did, gloating or yes. saying the apocalypse is coming yes. or like, hey, I'll help you jerks move. And then the yes. rest of them like that guy's in the KKK. I, this is all what I've read in like the last 30 seconds. I I thought it'd be over today, Glenn. It's not. It's Unicorn Wednesday. Don't you forget my unicorn. So we want you to post all your pretty oh. unicorn pictures. Now Noah was because there. Because you have to smile to when you see the a unicorn call. picture. He finished burning the ark. And you know what? 
250 years or more that we've been doing this country, every four years, 50% of the populace says, oh, it's all going to get, we're going to go to hell in a handbasket. It's all going to, I've never seen it on exactly 4951 or whatever. (laughs) That's pretty close. (laughs) So 50% every four years think it's going to be over. And here we are, 275 years later, and the unicorns are happy. They're so, so happy, the unicorn. The animals two by two, and he called out as they went through. Hey, Lord, I got your green alligators and long necks. Now, this tune is going to stick in your head all day, thanks to Lee Lewis. And your chimpanzees, your cats and rats and elephants. But, Lord, I'm so forlorn, I just can't see no unicorn. I stayed up to one o'clock, so expect a little punchiness on the show today. I never stay up that late. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you seem a little delirious. I do. <laughs> it's just, I never, I got, well, three and a half hours of sleep. Uh, so I don't know what's going to happen today. Mm-hmm. And, well, and uh, we didn't do much prep for the show either, people. So don't expect a lot. Well, you know, I was, I had mentioned it earlier, something about ants and snakes. And yes, there was a, an election last night, so you did not sleep. But in the past two nights in my child's bed, let's see, night before last, I hear this blood curdling, unbelievable screaming, like at that super high pitched screaming, like fear, death scream. Oh, no. And I go running into his room and he's like, ants! The ants are taking my hot dog. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? <laughs> so, I didn't know he yeah. had hot dogs in bed. <laughs> he apparently had hot dog in bed and the ants took it. And he was like freaking out that there were ants all over him. And so, of course, oh, I have to it's wake not him up. Funny. <laughs> it's 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 mildly funny. <laughs> Until it happens last night. It was the hot dog I, thing that got me. <laughs> <laughs> the blood curdling screaming that occurred last night in Lucas's room. And I come running in. I'm like, oh, what is it now? Because it sounds like he's like dying. I mean, like he fell out of the bed and he's like bleeding everywhere. It's that scream. And he's like, there's a snake in my bed and it wants my toes. Like, no. Is he awake when he's doing this? No, he's totally asleep. And he's blood curled. I mean, his eyes are open because he's pointing at the snake. Like, there's a snake that's trying to bite. What are you doing to this child? (laughs) I don't know. But what are you watching on TV? We watch like Umizumi now. I mean, seriously, Wally Kazam does not have attacked carnivorous snakes or, you know, ants. So for some My Little Pony for that kid. <laughs> I know. You know what? That's what we need. By God, he's watching My Little Pony today. That's enough Mickey Mouse he Clubhouse. Some you know unicorns were laughing and playing silly games. <laughs> uh, that's what we need. That's unicorns what we need. and rainbows. That's what you need. All My Little Pony today. <laughs> I declare television on. I don't even know what. Hey, the I, Sprout you're, Network. You're a kids. For, you you've watched every kids movie about a thousand million times. Yes. So tell me where this one's from. A little trivia for you. Look at that fluffy unicorn. Hello. That's Minions 2. That's what Lukey calls it. Despicable Me. Oh, that's you, Minions 1. Yeah, it's Minions 1. That's Minions right. One. Minions 1. The fluffy unicorn. I actually unicorn. have that fluffy unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. Of course. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, well, um... Jennifer, are we doing anything today other than sitting around just talking? 
Yes, we are, Jennifer. What's going up on today's show? I'll be the professional one today. Okay, good. Okay. Coming up on this inaugural Unicorn Day, following the caffeine-fueled recounting of Jamie's most recent adventures, we're going to talk about stereotypic behaviors with Dr. Fernando Camargo, who has the coolest name ever. And then after the break, Tammy Smith, eventer extraordinaire, is going to share her wild and crazy stories from her great European adventure. So stay tuned for the fight, folks. Thank you very much, Jennifer. Appreciate that. Daily Winnie time. So you know how we're doing the Year of the Listener over on the Stable Scoop show. Yesterday, mm-hmm. we recorded our listener for this week, and her name is Chantel Williams. And Chantel said something that uh, just made, made my day. First of all, she sent in a voicemail. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But she sent out a voicemail with all of her students. She teaches secondary or English as a secondary language at a school. So they're mostly foreign kids, mostly from Puerto Rico, she said. So they sang a song for Radiothon in Spanish. It is the cutest thing ever. It was the Aww. cutest thing ever. And this is why, why she gets my Daily Winnie. She said that the kids are so excited for Radiothon. She's going to play it all day in the classroom, and they cannot wait. She said they listen to Horses in the Morning to learn English. That's that's a mistake, I think. But um, if, if she's using us as a role model. Not on Friday. No, please tell me not on Friday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No bueno, amigas. <laughs> No bueno. But listen to this. So she, she told them that if they help with the song, which they were very excited about, they get to listen to Radiothon all day, and she's going to play it all day. And she said they are so excited. Every day they ask when it is. So she had to write it on the chalkboard so she could quit answering when it is. How many more sleeps? Yeah, how many more <laughs> sleeps before Radiothon? And she said the reason they're so excited about it is most of them are for, from Puerto Rico originally, and they all had Pasifinos. So they all love horses. Isn't that cool? Okay, Glenn. Then today, if you want, you can play the Pasifino song. <gasps> you should. I should. Just for them. Chantel, yeah, I hope you're them. listening in the classroom today. I'll play the Pasifino song for them. He has a song all about Pasifinos. Just all about Pasifinos. Are they Peruvian Pasos? Don't, in Dominic- I don't know. This I don't is just know. Pasifino Puerto Rico. Song. I don't know. All I know is they all go <laughs> like that. Yeah, Peruvians are a little different. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll try and find a Pasifino song before before the day's over. We'll play that. But anyway, that's my Daily Winnie. Thank you, Chantel. You really made... I almost cried when I was talking. That was just so cool. My Daily Winnie goes out to my ever-increasing-in-size baby mama, Pink. That's right. I went out to take care of Pink yesterday. She's the broodmare that I have uh, had a Swedish stallion be the baby daddy. And she's a very well-bred, warm-blood mare that I got a free lease on. And we got a baby coming. And so I went out yesterday and I was just like, oh, you poor thing. Like I scratch her udders and I groom her and just anything you do, like you could take a rake to her back and she would think it was like the greatest thing ever. So I'm scratching her udders and just moving all of her. I felt the baby kick. Uh... This is getting real, y'all. We're going to have a baby in like two months. (laughs) Two months. Wow. Yeah, she's due January 15th. Can't believe it's, it's that close already. I, I, well, she just, we got her pregnant so quick. I mean, it was like one try, boom. That's a 
fertile, fertile myrtle right there. So <laughs> and everything's going well. Everything's going really well, and so I put. I felt the baby kick because I was like leaning up on her back, grooming, and so I actually felt it kick in my stomach. It was kind of neat. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> then I started putting my hands all over, and I could feel it. I was like, "You poor thing. Oh, what did you do to deserve this life? You just make babies. That sucks." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she enjoys it. She does. She does. She loves being a mama from all I've heard about her other ones. So she loves it. She I just mean, gets not everybody disliked being pregnant as much as you did. I know. <laughs> Apparently, people do it over and over again. I think they're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell them that. <laughs> so anyway, I felt my baby kick. So it's pretty neat. That's, That's your really neat. Peak. Uh, Very cool. And uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about that. First of all, th- welcome back. And I'm glad you didn't get on jury duty or you, you sick, the didn't case get on was a jury. I mean, six weeks. They said that you what? have to give up your life. Six weeks. Oh, my God. And who can me, do that? I, 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 there was 110 jurors in the room, Glenn. And they were like, OK, here's the case, which was disgusting. It's as bad of a sexual abuse case as you can think of. Um, and so they were like, anybody who feels like they can, you know, donate, dedicate the next six weeks this over Thanksgiving, uh, the next six weeks to this case can stand up and walk downstairs if it doesn't create a hardship for you. And like 75 people stood up and went downstairs to like sign up. Really? Yeah. I was like, no, that's no, no, no. Who's going to feed the horses lunch? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I'm shocked that um, I'm shocked that you uh, that that many people wanted to do that. Where they they weren't going to be sequestered, were they? I don't really know. Suck. I mean, I don't know. I I can't imagine that this is going to be any any fun for anybody. Uh, the whole thing. So I'm really glad. You, you know, uh, when they asked me what my hardship was, because I'm sitting there, I have to talk to the judge. You know, fortunately or unfortunately, my husband deployed this week. So I was able to say my husband is deployed and I'm the sole caretaker for a three-year-old. So they were like, okay, you're good. Did you say, and he flies F-16s and has the coolest job in the world? No, that's you, Glenn. That's oh. what, you're the one who says that stuff. <laughs> did, you, did you say that everybody's guilty and they should all get the death penalty? No, I didn't even have to say that. Oh, okay. If they would have picked me, I'd be like, that guy is guilty. Oh, my God. <laughs> Send him to the chair. <laughs> I gave yeah. you strategic advice on Monday. I really did. I know I listened, but it was too late. I mean, I, you know, I was yeah. already coming on. Yeah. And, yeah. But yeah, I, I knew. I knew what to say. Okay. But All I right. got out of it the on it. Thank God. Way. Six weeks. What the hell would I do here for six weeks without you? Gosh, <laughs> so, it would have been awful. That was I'd awful. had to find a lot of substitute hosts. I don't think so, Lisa wants to work every day. So <laughs> it's like. Man. Well, the good news is I don't have to do it. Oh, and so thankfully. I'm back. Whew. Well, um, we didn't get the chance to we didn't get a chance to talk about a lot of things. One is the Breeders' Cup, but we did discuss that on Monday in your absence. And uh, did we- you see Beholder? Oh my God, was that the greatest race of all? That, <laughs> that was I the play be- best race of the weekend by far. I, yeah. it was uh, absolutely amazing. You, you realize I'm- you're the only one out of the four of us that got anything right. The whole of all our picks, you got well, one. Y'all should have picked her because she was destined to win. Destined to win. And you might have made a dollar fifty on a two dollar bet. So, yeah. woo. <laughs> the people who made money are the people who bet against uh, California Chrome. 
That's uh, <laughs> true. Son of a gun. I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, that I didn't think so. But down. anyway, let's talk about something positive, which I saw pictures of and some of the listeners commented on, was you taking Zeus, your second Mustang, to a jumping show. Yeah, I took the, the, the Mustang that can jump to the jumper show. <laughs> oh, my God. The, you you are way too low. You you should be a much higher. You should be jumping a meter thir- 30 because this horse was clearing those fences by five feet. Uh, yeah, he's super talented. Now, he, I don't think he was clearing by five feet, but he he's six inches above him. But you have to understand that you can't just... Take a, it's know, like chat. Make them bigger. Make them bigger. <laughs> make them bigger. I'm like, you don't understand that there's a level of training and fitness that goes into these things. Like <laughs> mine and his. <laughs> I know. I know exactly. So you can't just crank up the fences and gallop them down at him. So now he's he's on the building up. I mean, I started thinking about it. You know, I adopted him in February, uh, end of February, and broke my foot February 22nd. So. That was two months that I didn't ride him. So that was all of March, all of April. So I started riding him right after Rolex at the end of April. So he's really only had May, June, July, August, September, October. Six months of training. Wow. And he's that amazing. He is he's good. I mean, he's good. tucking his he's, form's great. He just, I don't know. I think you got yourself something there. Well, it's funny. You know, I, I looked back at his Facebook page. I was like, like this horse is amazing. He is so good. Like I, I've got so lucky. And then I went through his Facebook page and I was like, I've really trained him a lot and I've taken him a lot of places. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, maybe I get some credit, but yeah, he's, he's, he's really talented. Uh, and he's so cheeky. He's the horse that will open any door. He now has learned how to open carabiners that are like two inches big uh, and, and unclip the stalls. So now every stall that he has access to is tied because he goes and he, oh, he goes out the back of his stall. And then cause of stalls have two sides or two doors front and back. He goes out the back of his stall and then he goes over and he opens a pony stall back, lets the pony out. And then he goes through and opens a pony's door and goes out. <laughs> so I mean, he's, lock figured out. he's amazing. So here's the thing is we're at the jumper show and, and a lot of horses are nervous. You know, I mean, they just, I don't, I don't know what, but both my Mustangs have gone places and just been like, "Mm, no big deal. I think what they've seen in their life, this is nothing, you know, a little horse show is nothing. So I, I take him in there and, and the people are standing around and the lady with the clipboard is she walks over to me and she's asking me about him because everybody's always very curious about him. Uh, even if they don't know he's a Mustang, the Freeze brand, and they think it's a weird well, marking. He's, he's got and, a lot of color too. So, and he's yeah. he's so beautiful. Yes, and so they came up. The lady with the clipboard just talking to me, and she's like, "Okay, uh, she's checking her clipboard. She's like, you're gonna go after number two seventy one. And at that point, and she has a clipboard that is full of paper. Like the whole entire horse show is organized in this clipboard, and every ring, and every class, and every everything. Zeus grabs the clipboard out of her hands <laughs> with his mouth, flings his head up in the air, releasing, because he's now grabbed the clip side, he releases <laughs> about papers. 65 pages that fly up into the air on a breezy day. There Scare is half the other horses to death. Horses evacuate the premises. He grabs a clipboard, flips in the air. There's paper going everywhere. It's like snow has started to fall. 
And he then flips his head in the air and (laughs) I cannot make this up, Glenn. I promise you, I cannot make this up. Breaks the clipboard in half. Looks square in the eyes of the woman with the clipboard and drops it at her feet. (laughs) And I am sitting on him while there's paper flying everywhere and he basically spits this clipboard back out at this woman. And I'm like, oh my God. Of course, Edward, my student is on Edward and anything white and flappy, he's in Texas. So he's out of the arena. He's gone. Their other ponies are gone. My horse is like, did you see what I just did? Booyah. Like, I don't know what he was thinking. What the lady do? I was, I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she like, it's like, that's okay. And she starts running everywhere. And all that the uh, person that was at the end gate starts running, trying to get a piece of paper before they blow away. The lady who's handling the ribbons at the gate starts running everywhere. Everybody's running everywhere, trying to pick up pieces of paper. So then she comes back and she picks up her clipboard, which you can't use because now it's broken. And so she's like, runs over to the table. She's stacking all these papers, trying to figure out what pages and what order? And I'm like, oh, I was like, Glenn's going to play it. He's going to play it. <laughs> I, I can't play it at the moment. My stupid iTunes is locked up. Can you sing it for me? No, because I'm fit. I'm happy. <laughs> Super happy. I was like, I always have to have that. Why do I have to be that girl every freaking time? Why? <laughs> And he did so great and he was so good and he was like warmed up nice and he jumped great. I was like, oh, this is going to work out. Like, I'm just going to have a successful show day. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. You're welcome. I did wear my pad, my horse radio network pad, because you told me I'm not allowed to show in it. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, no. I don't want to be that Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, God. I've never seen that happen before, but the lady must have been in just disbelief. <laughs> I I wrote a letter to the show lady. I was like, I'm really sorry that my horse, <laughs> your, your show ring, you know, lady's clipboard. She was like, that's okay. We had more. I was like, oh, yeah, but. <laughs> okay. For all of you that were depressed about the election, there's that story right there. No. <laughs> You're welcome. Let my life be your entertainment. Okay? You're welcome. I could just picture this whole scene, too. This one would would, would won you 10,000 on um, America's Funny Some Videos. It really would. Oh, and if, if, you know, it wouldn't have been nearly as awesome if he would have released the papers and spooked, but he like leaned into it. He was like, look what I did. He was not scared of the flapping paper blowing everywhere at all. Oh, yes. Jennifer, tell that story. (laughs) Oh, I remember the story. Tell this story. Jamie, you're going to love this. Uh, we were we were on vacation as a family. We used to go to a uh, a country fair every year on a vac- summer vacation, and we would always bring our horses with us. And one of the horses was a yearling that we had raised. And I was wandering around the country fair with my yearling, getting him used to all the sights and sounds. Thought that would be a great idea. Mm-hmm. We were standing happily. Pardon me. I said, "Uh huh. Yeah, I'm listening. I'm with you." We were we were we were standing happily. Uh, amongst the car park where everybody was parking to get ready for the big parade in which we were also participating, participating with said yearling horse. 
And Yearling Horse was afraid of the cars, so we were walking along getting used to cars, and I would touch them and tap them and so he'd get used to it. So he got really, really gutsy and brave and walked right up to the back of a brand sparkling, shiny, shiny car, and he touched it with his nose, and I was so proud of him, and I patted him. He was a good boy, <laughs> and he did it again, and then he taste-tested the rear of the brand sparkling new Jaguar. Oh, no. Did with he his little yearling teeth. Did oh, he, he no. He bit it. <laughs> did it leave a mark? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you run or did you leave a note? Did you hit and run or did you, did you dip? I, I, um, I started to walk away as quickly as I could. Um, unfortunately, the owner did notice me walking away oh, from his car. Oh, busted. busted. In the hit and run accident. The police saw you. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, was he happy? Yeah. I'm sure he no. was thrilled. I'm sure he was thrilled. <laughs> no. I, was, hey, I was a very small child, so I was able to, to run quickly with my uh, little yearling horse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I somehow think that my mom, mom, and, mom and or dad got an earful, though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be that Lesson there. Don't let small children walk around with yearling horses in public car parks. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, just, just, yeah. There, you need a there was many adult. things. There was many things wrong yeah. with what you were doing. Uh, child in a parking lot with a horse, bad call. Just in general, let's yeah. just avoid that yeah. whole thing. Yeah. We've had, yeah. we've had our trucks over <laughs> the years get smashed in by horses. We were, delivering hay. We used to deliver hay out to the fields because we didn't have a gate or anything when we had our first farm. And we were delivering hay out to the fields. We'd always use the pickup truck. So we drove out to the field. And one day they got in a little scuffle right by the pickup truck. And, and it was her horse that turned around and backed in the pickup truck and put a huge dent in the side. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yep. Huge dent in the hand, side. Butt-sized yeah. Dent. <laughs> Smashed in the side of the pickup truck because of his butt. Yep. Well, that reminds me of the time. <laughs> There's a Pine Mountain Wild Animal Park south of Atlanta, and I had a pickup truck, which was a Peter pickup truck anyway. Um, that was my first car. And we drove down there. And that was back in the day when you could drive your own car in. And yeah. we had grain. And then you have all these wild animals that are that know that cars have grain. And they've since removed the uh, rules. You cannot... You have to drive one of their cars in. Uh, but... I my car because they were fighting and scuffling. My car was double barreled by a zebra, and I got ah! two giant dent marks in the side of my truck. And you think I'd be mad? I was like, "Oh my god, that's the coolest dent ever! <laughs> I have a double barrel from a, a zebra, zebra dent." <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody can claim to have a zebra dent. I mean, this is a zebra dent, and there was plenty of other dents in the truck anyway, so it didn't matter. Uh, but uh, yeah, exactly. There's many ideas. Keep your car away from horses. <laughs> I, I, speaking of cars, I did, um, by the way, in my youthful playing with my child at the age of, oh God, I'm already 39, um, I leapt into the truck during a rousing game of hide and seek into the back of the truck, and I strained my knee. So now I'm walking with a limp because of hide and seek. When do you get like what? What age is it? Like everything hurts. Oh, you get uh, hurt doing uh, anything. Uh, we'd make a good pair because uh, for the last two weeks I've been limping around. I did something to my leg and it hurts worse than anything. And I'm actually going to the doctor tomorrow because it's not getting better. And I can barely oh. walk. I can barely walk. I don't know what I did. 
but it, it just is so painful to just even get up and walk across the house. So <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. you. I'm with you. God, <laughs> just like I'm like. Oh, like I'm 17, I'm going to vault into the back of the pickup truck and hide in the bed. And I like I took one step and like it, it was like pop. I'm like God, I'm so old. <laughs> I yet I can go on a jumper show and ride a horse, but like climbing in the back of a pickup truck. Good lord, I'm a mess. Hey, while Jennifer's getting our first guest on, did you see the video of that trolley? That horse-drawn trolley was it in Canada? Yes. Was I don't can- know where that was. I don't remember was. what it was, but it was a it's a very large horse corn uh, horse drawn tro- uh, trolley that probably had what about ten rows of seats. And it's it, like one of the ones that goes Disney. to Main Street and Disney. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Huge. And it was along a lake, and they had this pathway along a lake, and and for some reason the news crews were there. Oh, there was a protest going on, and they were just taking these tourists on the trolley along the lake, and the protesters apparently were getting out of hand, and one of them blew a horn right beside the horses and the horses took off these two draft horses they just took off the driver fell out um when they went over a bump and threw the driver out so the horses were just going down by this lake uh at a at well i would say at a dead run but it was a slow run because they were pulling a 10,000 pound trolley uh but but people were bailing out which was probably not the right move uh people were bailed but then it was right along the water they could have gone in the water so maybe i would have bailed out too but uh no no? i'm sorry i was watching them and like the horses are pulling ten thousand pounds on pavement and they're big draft horses and they are literally trantering i mean they're bolting but it's this it's like a slow canner yeah because they, (laughs) they couldn't go very fast and there were a lot of people around and they got them under control actually fairly quickly i was surprised well people they didn't just like st- like try to step out. They were diving out onto the yeah. pavement. I was <laughs> yeah. like, really? It was very dramatic. <laughs> Haven't you seen like any Western movie where there's a runaway horse and you climb up front, and you grab the reins and you pull back? That's what I would have done. I'd be like, that would have been fun. I would, I think I would have done that. <laughs> but these people are diving headfirst onto pavement. And I tell all of my students, when you are riding a horse, never bail because that's guaranteed to hurt. Yeah, that's true. I go, you may stick it. You may stick it and it might not hurt. But if you bail, it will hurt. hurt. Nobody was (laughs) hurt, apparently. I'll ride that trolley into the water, Glenn. I don't care. I'm not jumping out. Some bystander managed to catch a horse and get him stopped. Good for him. Uh, And, of course, then the Humane Society or whatever, I always forget who it was, PETA came out and said that uh, we shouldn't be having trolley. You know, anytime there's an accident with a horse, we shouldn't be doing anything with horses. You know, they came out right away. Nobody ever says that when there's 5,000 car accidents a day that we should get rid of cars. But uh, anyway. Those poor abused cars. Yes. It's very sad. <laughs> oh, so it was actually I, with the fact that this guy had a camera and they were filming the whole thing, uh, and then the comments from the spectators after were kind of funny. Uh, nobody was hurt. Everybody's I fine. Just, I wanted nothing to do with people that bail out of a trolley <laughs> at five miles an hour on the pavement. <laughs> like, come on, are you serious? Yeah, right my now? ponies. My ponies bolted much faster than that. <laughs> Exactly. And you didn't bail. Like, you jump out hung in there. It was like the dad jumped out, then the mom jumped out, and then the kid jumped out. And every single one of them watched the one before face plant onto the pavement. Yeah. Sorry. I did not. I mean, <laughs> it must have been really scary, but like, come on. That was pretty wimpy. That was super wimpy. You just jumped out on the pavement going five miles an hour. 
All right, let's uh, let's go to our first. I get hate mail for that, aren't yeah, I? Yeah, you are. But uh, what's I new? Um, so, <laughs> I can take it. So we have Doctor Fernanda Carmargo. Did I get that even close to right, Doctor? Kind of close, kind of close. Yes, Fernanda Camargo. Fernanda mm-hmm. Carmargo. Camargo. That's yep. like a name that should be in a song. It's beautiful. <laughs> Well, Fernando was in a song, right? The male counterpart of my name. Oh, yeah, the Abba yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. You're it right. sounds way prettier when she says it. Yeah, it but. does. It sounds. Everything sounds way prettier when she says it. So, now we we have you on in our horse health segment because we had some listeners uh, that requested to learn more about cribbing. And, you know, okay. it, it is one of the things that everybody talks about, right? I mean, we all, right, right now, we have four horses on the farm. One is a bad cribber. And everybody that owns a number of horses over the years ends up with a cribber. Uh, so that's, you know, one of the th- things we wanted to talk about with you today. And so tell us a little bit about yourself, though, and, and what you do. Okay, so I am originally from Brazil, as you can expect with my accent. Uh, I was born and raised there. I went to vet school in Brazil. And then when I graduated, I came to the United States here at the Gluck Equine Research Center to do my PhD in equine pharmacology and toxicology. And then I graduated uh, from my PhD and I now work at the University of Kentucky in the Animal and Food Sciences Department. Very cool. Very cool. And mm-hmm. so now you wrote a paper on cribbing and some other things. And that's, I think, what caught the attention of our producer. Um, what, you know, what are we talking about here with these behaviors that, uh, you know, these kind of addictive behaviors? So are you just wanting to know about cribbing yeah, or, or the about, others also? Let's talk about that first, because that's what the listeners okay. really wanted to know about. Uh-huh. So cribbing is when a horse grabs with his front teeth, his incisors, onto a solid surface and then make this characteristic sound as they seem to be sucking air, but they're actually not sucking the air, but they make this grunt noise as they, you know, crib onto that uh, solid surface. So that's what cribbing actually is. It's different from wood chewing, although for some uh, inexperienced people, they may think that wood chewing is the same as cribbing. Wood chewing is actually uh, reported as a normal behavior in feral horses. So wood chewing is actually normal. So if you have horses that are eating the tree barks, that is actually normal behavior of horses. Uh, Now, cribbing is... Uh, stereotypic behavior. It is not normal for horses to crib, although it's very common. Now, uh, yesterday in the elections, I noticed that a lot of states approved marijuana. And one of the things you've heard about cribbing, now you're going to see where I'm going with this. One of the things that you've heard about (laughs) cribbing is that it gives them a high. Is that true? And is that sort of like when you're smoking pot? Is that that kind of high? Well, so research shows that horses that crib... As they crib, they release more endorphins. So, yes, so it is almost like, I don't know if marijuana, but almost like a cigarette smoking, like the horses calm down as they crib. But also research shows that horses that have a tendency to crib have higher levels of cortisol than horses that don't crib. So they are already more of a frustrated kind of a horse and more stressed kind of a horse. And as they crib, 
they lower the cortisol levels of their body and also release endorphins. So, yeah, so it is kind of, you know, an addiction for these horses. And is it a learned behavior? Why do they pick? Why do they start? Why do some start and others not? So, some people, so anecdotally speaking, some people say that they never had a horse that cribbed and they brought this other horse that cribbed into their farm and now other two or three other horses started to crib again. So, anecdotally speaking, yes, some people say that it's a learned behavior. However, we haven't been able to prove it by research. So, what we have uh, proposed is that some horses are more predisposed, genetically speaking, and when they see or when they're put in the correct environment, which we can go through that, and then they see another horse in the same environment cribbing, they can then start cribbing. But that's not... from a research perspective, it's not considered learning behavior. It's considered that now they are actually eliciting that behavior. They're showing something that they were born with that desire to crib. I've also heard in that, uh, doctor, that potentially a horse's crib, uh, one horse cribs because it's in a situation and the other horse's crib because they're in the same situation. You know, and it's a life situation that they are in as opposed to they're teaching each other. They're just all kind of going crazy together, you know, so they all kind of <laughs> learn it from each other, too, is kind of what I've heard it. And and that was led me to my next question is I have a friend that's considering buying a brood mare that's a cribber. Do mm-hmm. mares teach foals to be cribbers? So, if the mare, so we think that cribbing may be a genetic predisposition. So, if that's the case, if the mare indeed has a genetic predisposition, she may pass it to the foal, and the foal can actually become a cribber. But what, what one of the things that is actually very, very interesting is that foals from mothers that are overbearing, don't let the foals express themselves, don't let the foals play, they're super overbearing, stressed mares. They actually lead, the, those foals have a higher predisposition to start cribbing than mares that are more laid back. So if that brood mare is a cribber because she's stressed, she's frustrated, and that's why she cribs, so she may pass on that nervousness onto her foals. So that can become a problem. Now, when horses start to crib, so horses can start to crib when they start when they get winged. So there is research that shows that the acidity of the introduction of sweet feed to these foals, when as the time that they get winged, they start to show this stereotypic behavior. So they start to crib. So maybe because of gastric ulcers, they start to crib to relieve of that pain. Uh, the overbearing mothers also to, re- you know, so they start to creep to show to release their frustration. So that, so it, it depends. I own a farm and I have, you know, 20 animals in my farm and I have had several cribbers throughout the life and I've never seen an adult horse learn from another adult horse how to crib, you know, mm. and I have a cribber right now and he hasn't taught anyone in my barn to crib. You know, so I kind of tend to disagree that an adult horse will teach another adult horse to crib. But if this mare is a nervous mare, is a cribber overbearing, she may teach her foe to crib. Yes. Oh, wow. So so what it comes mm-hmm. down to, what I'm hearing is just like people who are some are predisposed to addictive behaviors and some are not, it's kind of that way. Correct. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. 
That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, now everybody wants to know, and this was the ultimate question, and you know what I'm going to ask next is, what do we do? What do we do? So first of all, we need to, well, I am of the opinion that cribbing is destructive, okay? A lot of people think that if you try, and if you read papers, you can see different opinions, but a lot of people think if you try to stop cribbing, the horse is still anxious, the horse is still frustrated, but now he cannot show his frustration. He cannot crib, and he cannot relieve himself of that frustration. So some people think, let the horse crib, okay? However, if we just let the horse crib, number one, it's extremely destructive. It will destroy, it will destroy property, fence line, their teeth, and when they destroy their teeth, they cannot, they're not able to chew very properly, apprehend food very properly, and that can lead to other problems as, you know, uh, stomach and uh, GI upset as well. I am of the opinion that, number one, if there is an underlying cause of why the horse is cribbing, say, for example, he still has the gastric ulcers that he acquired when he was weaned, I think the horse needs to be uh, you know, scanned to see if he has gastric ulcers and treated for the gastric ulcers, number one. Number two, horses need to eat a lot of forage. Research has shown that horses that eat less than 15 pounds of forage per day have a higher tendency to crib. And I think it's because of the acidity of the stomach again that makes them uncomfortable and they start to crib. So treat the gastric ulcers, give a lot of forage for these horses in the form of pasture, high quality hay. Uh, there is other research that shows that different types of forage, uh, so different types of hay, so alfalfa, uh, grass, um, beet pulp, so just to offer that to the horses. Obviously, the more the time that the horses spend outside, browsing and past, you know, and grazing and having um, fun with their friends, their friend horses, they uh, have less stress in their life. So anything that you can do to diminish the stress in the life of the horse, that will help uh, his behavior. Uh, now, a broodmare generally doesn't have a lot of stress in her life, and she still may be, may, may be wanting to crib. So, you know, so it's just you need to figure out what is actually happening for this, to this horse that he is wanting to crib. Is it at feeding time? Uh, there is what we call feeding frenzy when horses get so angry during the time of feeding uh, that they start cribbing, they start kicking. So you need to calm down and make these horses more calm and less stressful. Hold so up. this is I what I would recommend. I got to stop you there. How do you do that? Because I have three horses that have that are boarded up my barn that have all been rehabilitated from starvation situations, and they are mm -hmm. all three massively food aggressive, anxious, and they kick and they go crazy when it's feeding time. How do you stop that? You that you brought up that point. I'm going to ask. <laughs> so how Help do you me, stop the horse that is? They're so they're so aggressive. Uh, you have to feed them separately and away from any other horse. So if you feed them in a stall and you have another horse in the stall beside him, that becomes a problem because he can smell that horse. So you need to separate as far as possible one from the other so they don't even see competition. They don't even smell competition so they can be quiet. So you can maybe feed one at four, one at 4.30, one at five. However, if you do that, the one that is at 4.30, the one that is at that. 5, they're going to be so angry <laughs> yeah, because they go, right. didn't get picked first. They're going to be so doing a lot more than separate. cribbing by the time they get in. 
just by the time they get in they kill themselves already (laughs) so (laughs) if you can separate them uh you know as far away from each other as possible that would be ideal yeah so if it's a stall situation you can put the feed bucket in one corner and the other feed bucket on the other corner of the stall, Mm -hmm. like one to the right and one and the other side to the left so they don't eat as well as smelling the presence of the other horse okay you know and then skip a couple of stalls and put the third one the one we have here we have four horses here and the one that cribs is one that is high strung and kind of just stressed out about life and he's out all the time he's beautiful pasture they feed him endlessly and so so you know they're doing everything right he's just a stressed out horse and cribbing's the way he kind of deals with it now Let's talk about collars. Some people think cribbing collars are just cruel and, you know, inhumane. So what's your what's your story on collars? So uh, I think that cribbing, again, is a vice. And the same thing that I think that smoking cigarette, and I am sorry for those that don't believe it, is a vice and it's deleterious to your health. Who doesn't believe I that? I think that cribbing is... <laughs> well, I mean, people that smoke, I guess. <laughs> It's deleterious to the horse's health, and they are—they do have a higher chance of epiploic entrapment colic that needs that can only be corrected via surgery. So it's some, and plus it destroys their teeth, it destroys property. So about cribbing collars, it will detain a horse that is less uh, stressful. So it will prevent a horse that doesn't crib that much from cribbing. Horses that are set and they are going to crib no matter what, so the cribbing collar is not going to have an effect on them. So that being said, you have to tighten that cribbing collar so much to be able to prevent that it starts to break the skin of the horse. And that I don't really like. I don't want the cribbing collar to actually break the skin of the horse. So for that particular case, we need to go back to does the horse have ulcers? Are you sure? Don't feed him sweet feed, you know. There is research that shows that high-fat feed is actually better than feed that had molasses. Um, so that's what I think about the, the, the cribbing collars. There's different types. The one that has worked the mo- the best for my personal horse was the dare collar. That one is the one that works the best, and I put the, uh, the merino sheepskin on it so it doesn't actually break the skin so that in my opinion is the one that works the best but miracle collar works for some horses too the one that is the metal in the bottom i have seen horses um they just turn it sideways upside down and that one is difficult to actually keep in place yeah Yeah, i've seen the same thing with the horses here that we've had over the years and i think it probably you know i do think it's a destructive behavior but i think mentally for the owners it's even more destructive i mean we just fret about it. And I know I do, even with the uh-huh. horse that here, not even my horse, but yet it's just kind of annoying. And you're going, oh, I wish he'd stop that. You know, so you're constantly fretting about it, too. Uh, it's just one of those situations. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing with cribbing, some horses are so addicted that they crib, they spend so much time cribbing that they stop eating. So those horses at a body condition score of two or three, because they want to spend so much time just cribbing that they don't eat. So for those animals, it needs to be stopped because they need to start eating more. So there is other devices that are used, you know, to prevent cribbing. And that's what some horses need to resort to. So they 
don't die of starvation just because all they want to do is crib all day long. It's like those alcoholic people, all they want to do is drink, and then they look like skeletons. So you, and in that case, you have what we call the functioning alcoholics, right, that can get through the day, and then there's the ones who can't. So it's about the same. Correct. All our references today are coming back to ways to get high or stoned or drunk. And that seems to be the, the thing. I could listen to you The talk. horses that I've owned... Yeah. The, my cribbers have always been functioning cribbers. They never were. <laughs> so. We got a new term today. <laughs> they're high-functioning cribbers. They're high-functioning yeah. cribbers, they're... and then there's the ones that are just laying in the gutter. Um, Low-functioning. <laughs> that's right. Just well, sucking <laughs> society dry. Dr. Camargo, that, thank you so much for joining us. We really pre- I could listen to you talk all day. One, because you have a lovely accent and voice, but two, you know what you're talking well, about. Well, thank you. So I hope you come back uh, as we get more listener questions on topics that really do bug the heck out of horse people. Uh, what's your website? Where, where can people find where you work? So if you just, I work for the University of Kentucky. So if you just type Fernanda Camargo, you can find me uh, at the University of Kentucky. And I'm easy, you know, easy to get a hold of. Yeah. She works, and I'm happy like, to respond to any questions. And she works where I worked in college. I worked at the Gluck Equine Research Center. I had a glamorous really? job of washing test tubes for $4 an hour. So, you know, <laughs> we're kind of colleagues. Who did you work for? Dr. Tobin. <laughs> That's who I do, did my PhD with, Dr. Tobin. The wow. best man alive. I love He's him. Amazing. He's amazing. So, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what I did. I stood at a sink and washed the test tubes. I rinsed them seven times. Wonderful. Do you think Dr. Tobin <laughs> would even remember who you are at this point? Uh, I, I, we saw Dr. Tobin at the uh, at Rolex one year, Glenn. Did he we? Came over, yeah. And I was like, hey, I used to wash your test tubes. <laughs> and he actually uh, said he so remembered funny. Me. He's super nice. Well, he probably lied. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he did. He's like, oh yeah, oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Doctor Camargo, whose first name is Fernanda, we are going to let you Correct. go, and we're going to play a little ABBA uh, to, to okay. bring you out. Here's a little Fernando to take you out. Thank you, Doctor. Well, thank you for the opportunity. You all have a wonderful day. All right, bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. I forgot this was an Abba song. <laughs> I couldn't tell you any Abba songs. People either love Abba or they hate Abba. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. What's well, odd is my husband knows every Abba song. People and love Abba or they mother. I kind of like Abba, and I know I'm saying that out loud. But I <laughs> my mother-in-law, it's like her thing. And so she played it and Chad knows, I'm like, what is this song you're singing along with on the radio? You weirdo. He's like, this is Abba. It's my mom's band. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, she was lovely. She, she can come back anytime. <laughs> you have a little crush. I, I do. Feel. That voice. Don't you have a crush? You had a little crush too. Totally. Dr. Camargo. And the way she said her name is Hola. like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> she truly can get back. But she made sense, too. And she wasn't afraid to lay it out there, which I like, because this is a topic we all deal with at some time or another. You're going to have words of cribs. Either you're going to have it or one of the persons in the barn's going to have it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody's going to have a cribbing horse. I've That's never, it. knock on wood, I've never owned a cribber. Really? I've had all sorts of other things. Uh, oh, like, you know what I think's worse than cribbing? And you may argue with me about this. Weaving. I don't like weaving. Well, I was going to say, my old warm blood weaved, but only at feeding time and at horse shows. And then the worst to me was, Jet was a stall walker. 
Uh, oh my gosh, I was just time. digging. He was just digging because I don't have complete rubber mats. That's what he would need. It was just always filling in the circle. And then you're like, stop walking. You're skinny already. You know, I, I the weavers that just all day when they're in the stall, they're just weaving and weaving and weaving in the aisle. It just, you know, I just feel so bad for them. You know, it's no. like, oh, just stop weaving. Well, I do, in that Monty Roberts class that I just took, would read a lot about stereotypes and stereotypic behavior and what they suggest you do. This is the the British Horse Society. You know, it's not Monty, but you you replace that behavior with what the reason it's gone like cribbing like you want them to be out and graze more they're they're mimicking the using their you know mastication and then you've got the horses that stall walk it's because they need to go out and travel so turn them out and let them let them go and uh you know every every stereotypic behavior mirrors something that they actually do in real life so you just need to figure out what that is and Easier said than done. I, I couldn't turn up my horse out for 24 hours a day. Well, and not then. only that, when she was saying about feeding, I was thinking about your property. That would be tough, too. I can't do that. Yeah. I mean, you can't. You have to, you, so what I've actually started doing, because Edward and Joey both, uh, they're both on the far ends, and they turn and attack the guy next to them, that I tie them both up during feeding time, and I unclip them, or I take the halter off after I've dumped the feed in. And it's really working, honestly. Well, let's uh, talk to somebody who has no problems at all with any of her horses because she's a superstar. She's Superwoman. That's it. Lay down. They're fine. She never has any (laughs) trouble. Never does. We're here with Tammy Smith from Next Level Eventing out in California. Tammy, good morning. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. When I saw the summer that you had had, I told Glenn and our producer, I said, I need to talk to her. She has had an amazing, (laughs) amazing summer. So you're home now, right? And you're kind of uh, taking a little break. Yes, absolutely. We just did Galway Downs this last weekend and um, definitely taking a break. (laughs) I think I saw that you were drinking and having many petties. So life can't be that bad. We did. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Not a bad way to wind down. So, so um, pretend we're in school and we, we've come back and it's the first day of school and the teacher makes you stand up in front of the class and say, so what did you do on your summer vacation? <laughs> uh, um, it was, it was absolutely the best um, experience that could have happened. I, I'd been, for the last few years, I'd been kind of contemplating on going over to England and spending some time and, but it just, you know, the timing wasn't really right until, um, until really this, this summer. And, uh, I just, if anybody, no matter, you know, what your level is, if you ever have the opportunity to do something like that, when you're a rider, it, it was just an unbelievable experience. I had such a great time. I learned so much. Um, it's, it, it was, it was just, it was magical. I, I loved it. I, if I was 20, I would move there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I now start out what you took some horses where, what horses did you take with you? Yeah, so I was a recip- the recipient of the International Rebecca Broussard um, grant, which um, helped me tremendously be able to take 
um, a few horses over to um, overseas. And, and typically in the past, people have, you know, gone over and done a big event and then come back. But I, um, I just, I felt like, you know, I've been to Europe back in 2011 when I took a horse over to do Bucalo. And I just really felt like in order to gain the experience that I needed to gain to kind of take my riding and my experience to the next level, I really needed to, um, go there and, immerse myself in, you know, with the best of the, of the, of the best in our sport. And so it was, um, it was, I I remember sitting down, getting ready to apply for my, for the grant to, for the international grant. And, um, and I sat down with my husband and I said, do I really, do I really apply for this? Cause what happens if I get it? (laughs) And he said, (laughs) He said, no, you absolutely do. And, you know, you're ready for this and you need to go do that. And so, um, and so I took over my two, three star horses, Twisted Sister and, um, Dempsey. And I competed at a horse trial, um, locally when I arrived and then went to Blenheim and did the CCI with the mayor and the CIC eight-year-old, nine-year-old championships. And then ended up going to GATCOM and doing GATCOM and then went on to Bucalo and did the CCI as well. And so, and then in addition to that, um, my Fleeceworks Royal Horse had um, become the recipient of the grant to go over and compete and represent the U S for, um, for the seven-year-old world championships, the world breeding championships. And so that, you know, was incorporated in, into this whole trip as well and was the last thing that I did. So I gained a tremendous amount of experience and, um, it was, it was just, it was just unbelievable. I'm, I'm so glad I did it because I, I was able to, you know, when you go over and you do one event, things don't always go the way you hope. And often they don't, especially when you go that far, you know, you mm-hmm. invest that much money, <laughs> something's bound to go wrong. And, um, and so it was, it was, and it did actually, my twisted sister horse, I ended up retiring on course because I had an equipment malfunction on course and I couldn't slow her down. And so I had to basically stop and wait and I took her to Buccalo. So, um, it was, um, I just, I just really wanted to go there and be able to not just go for one event and, um, kind of, you know, watch the best in our sport and, and learn from them and, and try to figure out what they do with their fitness and what they do with their programs and, you know, how, how they're different than we are here in the did States. You, train, it, you know I mean? God. I know. Go ahead. I was just going to say, did you train with anybody while you were over there to learn all of these things? Yeah, I was, um, I was actually based at Rodney Powell's place. Um, and Rodney was so much fun to get to know. And, um, when I first arrived, it was kind of funny because he, 
they just, Alex is, uh, Alex Franklin is Rodney's business partner. And they, she, she, a lot of people ride on the flat with Alex. She's a very good dressage um, coach. And Rodney, um, you know, still has, he, he buys young horses and produces them and then sells them. He's not so much riding at the very top. He has a horse that he's getting ready to move up to three star, but I, I knew Rodney. I just didn't know, you know, Mark Todd and, and those guys, you, you know, their history because they're Mm -hmm. still doing it and they're still out there. But I, you know, I had no idea that Rodney had won badminton before and, you know, was, you know, in the top three at Burley. And so I knew obviously he had ridden at the top level. I just didn't know that he, he, he was good when he rode at the top <laughs> level. And so, and so when I first got there, he was very, um, just kind of hands off and just let me kind of do my thing. And then I, I had some trouble with Chloe at, at Blenheim and he said, you're not doing this on your own anymore. And, um, yeah. And he's like, we're going to fix this and we're going to, you know, like I'm helping you and you're going to listen. And I'm like, yes, sir. (laughs) That sounds good to me. And so, um, and, and he was, he was great because one thing I appreciate is not only getting good help, but, um, I've always been somebody who can kind of take take criticism and in my writing and be taught more because I know that there's always more to learn. And so, um, he was, he was pretty hard on me there for a minute, but it was, it was a lot of fun and I learned a ton and I feel like my cross country riding got much better and, um, my understanding for cross country. And, um, that was really what my goal was to accomplish when I went over there. No, Did, no, 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 <laughs> no tears. He wasn't that. You were supposed to say yes, so Jamie would feel better. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he 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 wasn't that mean. <laughs> but um, but I did, cry. I did cry. He wasn't up to the up, George um, Morris level quite that bad. No. <laughs> yeah, I, it was it was you know it's it's always something that um you have to always think that you know, you're getting better. And, and with that becomes frustration and, you know, you know, so, so I, I did shed a few tears, you know, figuring out, trying to know what to do with my mare and all that. So, I mean, it was definitely, it was definitely a learning experience for sure. What surprised you about the trip? I know you went over with expectations and what you hope to get out of it, but what surprised you? Um, I would say that, the difference wasn't that different, you know, like I expected that I was going to go over there and my program was going to be completely changed, which I was pleasantly surprised that I didn't need to change a lot in my program, but there were a few missing pieces that I was able to fill in. And so, um, I, I would say, um, the amount of fitness, that they do over in Europe and the UK, you know, I, especially on the West coast, we focus very much on dressage and show jumping because it's, I think been our culture. Um, and they, they focus on cross country and, um, 
And so I was able to, to really put more, incorporate more fitness um, type work into my program that, that I didn't have before. And, um, you know, I've had, you know, I work with Philip Dutton and Philip said to me once, you know, stop doing dressage. (laughs) You already know (laughs) how to do that, you know, and, and I didn't really quite, you know, sink in until going over to the UK. I, um, I went, Oh, that's what he's talking about. Cause, because in really ultimately in eventing, they have to be fit enough. And, um, just the amount of fitness that we did to prepare for our, our competitions was, you know, probably 75% more than what I'd been doing. So that was, that was very eye opening, I think. Absolutely. Now, um, we are very good friends with Leslie Wiley. She comes on our show every Monday and Leslie Wiley was at the outgate when uh, at Bucalo. So she is yes. uh, the, the writer for horse nation and she's very funny. And, uh, she was witness to a, I guess they would call it the halftime show, uh, which occurred apparently <laughs> almost right before you went in. And she had to inform you of what went on. Tell us about your experience in the show jumping <laughs> post dead animal drag hunt at Bucalo. <laughs> well, you have to understand that Bucalo is a very unique event in comparison to any other event in the world. Like it is you have probably 60,000 plus people who most are not horse people and they come from all over Holland to come party at this event. I was going to say, is there a lot of beer consumed? (laughs) There's a lot of drinking involved (laughs) and partying. And, um, and so, you know, the, the entertainment value has to be, something that people, you know, are interested in. So they decided this year to do a fox hunting demonstration. And apparently, so they had done, they had done the bottom half of the class and then they were on to the top 20. And um, in the interim, they ended up taking a, um, when they do a drag, they take a, like a real dead animal scent and they drag it through where they want the hounds to follow. And they did this in the show jumping ring. Um, And apparently they ended it right in front of this like red oxer right before you go into the, or right after you go into the show jumping ring. And um, Dempsey is already very high strung and, um, You know, he's such an amazing show jumper and a very good jumper, but because he's spooky and stuff like that. And so if you could picture the warm up, the first warm up is probably the size of maybe 60 meters wide and um, maybe 80 meters long. And they have two show jumping areas out there. And then you go into this holding area that's surrounded by a picket fence and, um, and all these people, you know, who are not horse people. And, um, and then they say, okay, you're and you have two more jumps that you can, that you can, um, 
jump and then you end up going into the ring. And when we first went into the ring, he, for dressage, he didn't like the holding area, but he was perfectly comfortable in the ring, which the ring is surrounded by, um, tents that are only 50 to 75 feet off of the dressage ring. And they're, and they're not just little tents. They're huge, those huge white carnival looking tents. And so, and then they have, (laughs) and then they have people, you know, drinking and partying and screaming and they have flags lined around the arena and a huge, I mean, it's, it is definitely a carnival. It's it's (laughs) for the people, not for the horses. (laughs) Yes. And so when I went in, when I went into the show jumping, Dempsey was very suspicious, which <laughs> I thought, well, that's kind of weird because he liked this ring a couple of days ago and, you know, he's kind of going sideways and I'm just patting him and trotting him and kind of going, Oh, he, you know, he just ran cross country. And so maybe his eyes are just a little bit more I mean, out on cro- in the cross country lanes you have people like reaching out into the lanes like trying to touch you and oh my God. um as you're galloping by it's 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 quite a unique event so anyway he went in and show jumped a beautiful round but as i was coming to this red oxer he's like cantering sideways to it like he and i'm going well is he spooking at the because right bo- above that was the jumbotron Except that he had seen the Jumbotron in dressage. So I knew that he didn't care about the Jumbotron. And so he is like literally sideways. And at the last second straightens out the last stride and then jumps, jumps it like with his, I, I mean, he had to have been over the standards. His eyeballs are (laughs) popping out of his head. And, um, and I was actually having quite a good time because he was jumping so well, Um, and then we finished and Leslie was right there and she's like, you know, talking about how, gosh, it smells like a dead animal. And I'm like, it, it it does. It must be all the drunk people from last night throwing up in the ring. And she's like, no, actually there was a dead animal in the ring. (laughs) Like, Oh God. I go, Oh, that's why Dempsey wouldn't go to fence, you know, to the red fence. And she said, um, actually they, they had it stop right there. They dropped it right there. And I go, Oh gosh. Um, so, you know, poor you, you factor in, <laughs> Oh my gosh, the poor guy, you just, you factor in all, you know, everything that you have to deal with when you're at a big event like that. And then you have this and, um, he just decided he would jump bigger and, 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 um, and he had a beautiful round and, um, I was really proud of him for dealing with it all, but it was probably something we didn't, we didn't need to add on to the, to the deal, but, um, (laughs) the, the trip, I mean, the trip had experiences like that all throughout the trip, you know, just funny experiences that you just, you're just like, you know, dumbfounded by, um, because they don't have, eventing here in the States, even at Kentucky is not like it is in Europe. And, and I think mostly just because it is their culture and so much their lifestyle. And so, you know, when you go to, like we went to Burley and, and it was quite funny, like Shannon, my groom was laughing at me because she, I'm sitting there videotaping people in the trade fair. 
And she's like, you look like a tourist. And I go, I am a tourist. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm like the typical tourist at Disneyland videotaping every odd thing that they see. But the trade fair at Burley was just, just a sea of people. I just couldn't, I could not believe the amount of people that were walking through this trade fair. That's amazing. And um, so, you know, the, the trip really had experiences like that. Every week was some, you know, unbelievable experience going across the, you know, the English Channel to go to Buccalo and to go to France and, um, you know, driving the lorry. And it was just it was just driving on the wrong side of the road. And, you know, people drive crazy over there. They're very confident that you're going to pull off to the side of the road, which, um, you know, we did promptly anytime we saw anybody. Well, hey, before (laughs) we're running out of time, uh, Tammy, but I do want to say that if you are interested in learning from Tammy Smith, excuse me, you guys have two working student positions available and one head groom I saw on Eventing Nation this morning. So uh, if you guys are interested in Southern California being a working student, Tammy is hiring. Now, Glenn has some news, too, that he hasn't told uh, me yet. Leslie just uh, texted me this morning and said that she has booked the eventing guests for the wild last hour of our 12-hour radiothon on November the 28th. Doug Payne, Heather Morris, and one Tammy Smith. Lord have mercy. <laughs> yeah, we should have a we should have a blast doing that. We're really excited about it. Well, uh, you know, drinking is allowed, by the way. Uh, that is permitted. It, you know, oh, we, we don't encourage it on the morning show here at nine o'clock, but you'll be coming on in the evening, <laughs> so that'll be fine. Yes. Uh, yes. But yeah, and we're, Tammy, I, I told Glenn that he needs to get your husband on for the horse husband's hour because being a, oh he's my a God, police he officer, would be I mean, hilarious. yeah, he's pretty funny, dude. So <laughs> he would be hilarious. Well, we're definitely going to get him on a horse say. husband's episode <laughs> for sure. But Tammy, we are looking forward to having you uh, join us that day. Uh, you, the excitement is building for the for the whole twelve hours. And I didn't announce earlier we have three more prize packages. We are actually going to be giving away now over four thousand dollars of stuff that day. Um, wow! So that's amazing. every hour, and then in your hour, at the last hour of the day, we're giving away the fifteen hundred dollar prize pack. So it's going to be right. a, a lot of fun. We appreciate you doing that and joining the eventing horse nation hour. Well, thank you for having me. All right, drinking is required. Uh, Tammy, Keep that in mind. Congratulations right. on your awesome summer. Now enjoy a little break, and then uh, we'll see you probably at Galway in January. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. You guys have a good good All time. Right. Thanks, Tammy. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. Gosh, I want to go. I want to go to Europe and event. I know. Doesn't that sound cool? It does sound neat. Yeah. Well, we are going to take a break. We have to hear from Horseware. They have a grooming tip for us all about uh, blanketing the clipped horse. So if you're clipping your horses this winter and are concerned about how exactly to blanket them, we're going to be talking about that. And then right after that, I'm going to play Marianne Kennedy. This is for you, Chantel Williams, and all of your kids over there who are from Puerto Rico and have Pasifinos. I'm going to play the Pasifino song. I do this out of love. Yeah, because Jennifer or Jamie hates this song. I think Jennifer hates it. (laughs) But but, uh, I'm going to play it just for you guys. (laughs) 
This winter grooming tip is brought to you by Horsewear Blankets. Joining us are two of the top grooms in the country of Enter Philip Dutton's groom, Emma Ford, and Cat Hill from World Class Grooming. Well, our horsewear winter grooming tip is with Kat, and we're talking this week about blanketing the clipped horse. And none of us are ever sure what weight to put on, how, you know, it's too much, too little, especially with the clipped horses. It's, it just seems to be more, you fret about it more. Absolutely. I think it's easy to, to project your own temperature on your horse. If you're cold, you throw a blanket on them. If you're hot, you take one off. And um, every horse has their own personality when it comes to clothing. I have two Irish horses in the barn. One of them hates clothes and would be naked unless it's an absolute blizzard out if he had his druthers. And my other one wants every blanket in the barn on him at all times. He needs to be starting blanketing at 60 degrees. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, So knowing them intimately will help you. One of the big things I tell people is to put their hand on their horse where they're not covered by the blanket. Lots of people put their hand under the blanket to feel how they feel. And most of the time, that's going to feel warm. Just like if you were to put your hand under your sweater, that would feel warm, but your hands might be freezing. Um, so I always check ears, faces, legs, and then try to blanket to adjust that to more of a moderate temperature rather than just underneath their rug. Um, Rambo has some amazing quality uh, turnouts. They've got the Supreme, which is a really heavy one with the neck that keeps them super toasty warm. They have their Vera layer system, which helps um, thermoregulate, similar to how their own hair works, and that comes in many different weights. They've got their WUG, which is a half neck. Think of like a turtleneck. Um, so if you've got a horse that's partially clipped, the WUG just gives a little bit more um, protection from wind kind of sliding down their shoulders and making them chilly. Um, they also have a really neat one that's called their Lights. They're California, Florida weight. It's 100 grams. And that's great for people who are down south and need and have a clipped horse and they need a little bit of something, but maybe not quite as heavy as a, a midweight. Um, I also do recommend, if you've got a horse who has their neck clipped, they really need to wear a neck. Uh, their necks are one of their biggest areas for cooling. That's why we clip it, because it keeps them cooler. And if that's exposed to wind, they have a really hard time staying warm. Um, so I always try to at least have a top layer that has a neck covering so that they've got that wind break on their neck. Um, the other big thing I like to talk about is to make sure you're clipping based on what you do with your horse, not how much you want to look at your horse. Um, we all would love to give a show clip to our horse and clip them from their coronary bands to the tips of their ears, but in reality, that's not necessarily best for the horse. I always do the minimal clip possible. If I'm doing a trace clip, I'll do the lowest trace clip I can and then work my way up until I know, you know exactly where they need to be to be comfortable. Um, in fact, even my lesson horses, I tend to just do what's called a chase clip where I clip from in between their front legs to underneath their chin and just give them a little cooling strip. Uh, since a lot of our horses up here go still go out, they need to have that protection from the elements of their own hair in combination with um, some wonderful blankets. And of course, Christmas is coming. And what would be better than the book World Class Grooming for anybody that's a horsey person in your life? And and we know the author. She's on right now. So where can people find the book? You can find us uh, wherever equestrian books are sold, um, as well as our website. Horse, that's not right. As well as our web- website, worldclassgrooming.com. We also do clinics and, edu- and barn education. You can find out more information about that at worldclassgrooming.com. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram with World Class Grooming. 
This tip was brought to you by Horseware. Have you ever wanted to own your own Rambo? Well, here's your chance. From October 3rd to November 23rd, receive $50 off any Rambo turnout blanket, including the Rambo Duo, the Optimo, the Original, the Supreme, and all the others in the Rambo turnout line. All you have to do is trade in your old turnout from any brand for a horse in need. Simply visit horseware.com slash trade for more information and fill out the form for the voucher you will need to get your $50 off. The complete list of retailers is at horseware.com slash trade as well. Open to U.S. and Canadian residents only. Go to horseware.com slash trade today and replace that blanket with all the holes for one of the best blankets on the market, the Rambo Turnout. Outline. I still remember the first time I saw one Mane and tail flowing, he moved like the wind Smooth as a mesa across the horizon I had to have one I wanted to ride past Sofino Feel the power, the breeze Quite like you do Paka 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 Fino and Corto and Largo Paso It runs in their blood I sit in the saddle And hold the Makati I feel the fire And I have to ride past Sofino That was Marianne Kennedy with Pasifino. Uh, you either like that song or you don't. God, I just laugh. I just can't not laugh. Well, you got to admit, though, when you see the Pasifinos doing their Pasifino thing, you kind of chuckle, too. I know. It's funny. It's funny. <laughs> and, you know, it's hard to believe that's a natural gait. But, it, you know, it is. But, it, 
you look at it and go, how were they born that way? <laughs> Somebody <laughs> rode a Pasofino. I was out teaching a lesson on, I think Chili was out there and I was on Thor and a couple other horses <clears throat> and a Pasofino comes by, like goes, you know, how you can like ride right by my arena. It's all by the road. And this like goes riding by every single horse spooked looking at they were like what are we looking at? what is that I waved why is it here <laughs> yeah what is that what is that thing why have you ever ridden here? one uh not a pasofino no i've ridden a peruvian paso which is a little different um are the peruvians their their footsteps not as fast uh yeah and and they're kind of I, I it's been so long since I wrote him, but I I remember thinking it was much more Spanishy kind of moving, but mm. still gated, but not that like they're more like Tennessee walking horse Spanish style. Right. I don't know that could be way off. <laughs> Interesting. Well, everybody, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, don't forget that you still have until the 18th to get your entries in for the over four thousand dollars in prizes. You want to hear what we just added yesterday? Yes. No, because I can't win them. You'll never <laughs> let me win nothing. Your students can, and then make them share. Uh, I should call in under a fake name and sing a song, because my beautiful voice. I, we, it, we would be able to tell that, I think. So, <laughs> so now, uh, we added yesterday a over $100 prize pack from Stud Muffins. And wow. over $100 prize pack from Uncle Jimmy's, including some hanging balls. And also, were you on the show where we interviewed the people from the Arctic place up in yes. Alaska? They're going to give away one of their skirts. No way. Yes. That's so they're giving Super. away one of their skirts worth almost $200. So yeah, uh, we added those three. So that brings us up over $4,000 in prizes now. Bucka, 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 bucka. <laughs> That's amazing. That's going to be super fun. I mean, how and many voicemails do you have submitted so far? We have probably 80 or 90. That's insane. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to edit all those. But there's some that are really, really, really good. I mean, that sang and, you know, poems. There's a lot of poems for people who couldn't sing. And then there's just a lot of people calling in saying what their fantasy ride is. And you know what? I think we have very few duplicates in the fantasy ride department. Hmm. Which is interesting because I thought there would be I thought there'd be a lot of one or two particular horses, right? Vallegro, you know, just you know those horses you expect. Uh, even American Pharaoh, I expected uh, a ton of American Pharaohs or Vallegros, but it hasn't been that way. So I, I mm. it, it's been really interesting to see that. Now, as far as guests are concerned, we are getting those all booked up, and uh, we can't announce the one yet. But let's just say Jamie's very excited about the one. Or about, Jamie's very excited about several of them, and we're going to be recording another one of those tonight. Stuart Pittman's going to be joining us, of course, of the uh, Thoroughbred Makeover fame. Stuart's a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear what his fantasy ride will be. Yeah, that's going to be really fun. It's interesting to hear. And of course, I still can't talk about the country music star. I, you got everybody guessing over on the auditor page who the country music star is. They're all guessing. But the big guest, and I, I cannot believe that you allowed this, but the big guest is you said that your lovely husband, Chad, which seems <laughs> to be the most requested horse husband when I posted it, uh, is allowed to per per participate in the in the day, right? He's allowed to play. So I figured it was better for him to just do an interview than an entire hour. 
<laughs> so you get yeah, to I only get them for 10, 15 something. minutes. So yeah. Yeah. So you better have some quick, concise questions and don't worry. He may have somebody sitting right next to him. Oh, no, no, no. That's never allowed when we do horse what? horses. That's never allowed. The wives cannot be in the same building. They have to leave. Away. Oh, my Away God. Are you, you serious? Okay, Away with you. He, you can't sit right there while I'm asking him all these questions about you. And I know How you I never listen to, to the show. the outcome of the situation? <laughs> You're such a control freak. And, you know, and the listeners have come up with some interesting questions that I would not have thought of. Oh, no. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. They have come. Now, they have posted some of them over on the auditor page. If you want to become an auditor, go to horsesinthemorning.com and click on the auditor tab. But um, they have uh, posted some on the auditor page, and then a couple of them sent me some privately that they didn't want you to see. So, oh my God! <laughs> Never mind. Chad's busy. He's flying. I have his phone number now, so I texted him. We'll get that all set up. Oh I know he flies God. that day, so I'm going to have to pre-record it. But uh. yeah, he's going to be American Airlines pilot that day. And by the way, it trips me out and cracks me up that several people that are listeners of ours have said every time they go into an airplane, they look in the cockpit I know for Chad. For him for Chad. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so fantastic. One of these you days, somebody's going to see I him. Do? I mean, <laughs> one of these, you know, it's interesting now because we've become so much bigger. Like Lisa Waisaki says she can't go anywhere to, you know, she goes to a lot of conferences and things and she does a lot of expos. And she said she can't go anywhere without listeners coming up to her all day. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's kind of neat. I know that that's a lot of you are going to be this weekend out at the Big E up in Massachusetts uh, at the expo up there. So I, and I think they're even the doing Equine a. Affair? Yeah. I think they're even doing a meetup. Uh, I think somewhere. Debbie's going to be up there too. Yes. Debbie is going to be up there. She's actually also going to the Equus Film Festival in New York City. She's going to represent us there and get some interviews there. Cool. So we'll have some interviews coming up on her show from the Equus Film Festival, and they're joining us for an hour as well during Radiothon Day. Well, that's it. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. We hope we helped you forget about your woes. Don't bring it up. Just don't bring it up. Just end the show, and everybody's going to have forgotten about what oh, happened yes. last night. Because, and because we all know. It's Unicorn Day. It's Unicorn Day. A long time ago. When they Get your ads in for really bad ads on Friday. That always makes you forget about your problems. Than you've ever seen. They'd run around. Oh, and they're showing pictures of baby unicorns. Was being born, but the loveliest of all. Did you know they're born white? They don't start. <laughs> they don't start black. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, apparently, according to this graphic here, <laughs> they're born white, not dark, and they don't lighten as they age. That's right. Yep. There's no like dapple gray unicorns. No, and did you know they play with elephants? You know, I mean, I would imagine that childbirthing a horn. <laughs> By the way, according to this image, they do come out with the horn. So. Oh, dear God. You hope they come out feet first. No wonder the there's day. none. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Good point, Jamie. <laughs> impaled. No wonder they're extinct. <laughs> Problem. They didn't plan ahead. Send your ads to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com for Friday. There's still some out there. Don't you forget my unicorn. You have to believe, people. Just believe. Now Noah was there to answer. Oh, I forgot they were on the ark. He finished burning the ark just as the rain started falling. He marched in the animals two by two. I hope Lee Lewis doesn't mind him playing his song because I didn't ask him. Hey, Lord, I got your green alligator. I'm probably the first one to play it ever on a on a, a podcast. And your chimpanzees. 
Your cats and rats and elephants, but Lord, I'm so forlorn. I just can't see. All right, see everybody. Oh, did you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it was a number one hit on the country charts. (laughs) (laughs) This song goes on for another three minutes. (laughs) Shut up! Turn it off! It's play Pasolfino again for God's sake. Oh wait, wait, I got two of them going. There we go. Bye, everybody. Bye. Jennifer's typing, please make it out. <laughs>